Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word. How grateful we are that we are studying God's word here in the room. And, 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 and thank you that all around the world that we are, our Bibles are, are being opened. We're ready to receive the word of God. I thank you, Lord God, that, that we just come against every distraction, anything that would try to hinder the word going forth today. Thank you for liberty. Thank you for freedom. Thank you, Father God, that in our building and our, all the homes that are represented, Lord God, that we're going to zero in today. We're going to listen carefully to what the Spirit of God desires to say to us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us. Thank you for making the truth of God's word come alive to us. We believe with all of our hearts, Father God, that you, Lord, want to speak clearly to us today, and we are wide open. We, we say we have ears to hear and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Typically during this time of the year, we are either doing a generosity series or a Christmas series, but not this year. This year I felt a real strong prompting uh, from the Holy Spirit that we really needed a series that would prepare us for the new year. I really felt very strongly that, that since it's been such a challenging season and so much of our lives have been so disrupted that I feel very strongly that, that we need a serious course correction. And so today I'm starting a new four-part series entitled Awaken. Awaken. I believe we're going to hear the heart of God in a very clear way through this series. The purpose of this series is to inspire you to come alive spiritually. The purpose of this series is that wherever you, whatever is asleep in you, wakes up. Whatever seems dead in you comes alive. Wherever a heart, the stony heart of selfishness and complacency is found, it's replaced with a, a heart of love and commitment in Jesus' name. So I need you to really listen carefully, and I want you to really press in. You that are at home, I know you have children running around and other things, but I, I need us for the next few minutes, all of us, to really focus in on God and what His Word desires to say to us today. And here's our big takeaway for today. Here's where we're going. When you are a follower of Christ who is still living life your own way, doing your own thing, only an encounter with God can wake you up to a living, to living a God-first life. Let me say that again. When you are a follower of Christ who is still living life your own way, doing your own thing, only an encounter with God can wake you up to living a God-first life. Amen. See, I believe in ongoing encounters. I believe ongoing encounters are extremely important. I believe ongoing encounters enable us to keep the right things, the first things, the first things. I really believe these ongoing encounters keep our relationship with God and others strong. I believe ongoing encounters enable us to what? To help us to really understand when priorities get off and, and how to adjust and make them right. You know, we had an encounter with God when you gave your life to Christ, but that's not the only encounter you'll ever have in your life. In fact, you should have regular encounters with God. I believe it's important that we have ongoing encounters with God. I'm going to say to you clearly today, I need a fresh encounter with God. I'm going to say to you today, you need a fresh encounter with God. I don't have to think twice about that. I know you do. 
I know you in the room and you watching church at home. We need fresh encounters with God. What does it mean to awaken? Well, let's define it. To awake. All right, where's the definition for awake? There we go. He needs to wake up, yes. Um, awaken, to rouse from sleep, to wake up, to become suddenly aware of something. To, rou- to rouse from sleep, to wake up, to become suddenly aware of something. Wow. So if you're writing, if you're taking notes, I know many of you are note takers, to rouse from sleep, to wake up, to become suddenly aware of something. Many of us need an alarm clock to wake up in the morning. I won't see a show of hands, but many of us do. And typically throughout the week, I don't need a wake-up call. Depending on what time I go to bed, I'm usually up around 5.30 or so. But there is a time when I do set my alarm on my phone, and that's usually on Sunday morning because I get up so early. So I set my alarm, and when I set my alarm, my alarm goes off, I turn it off, I turn on the lights, and I get out of bed. Right? When my alarm goes off, I get up. Listen, because it went off for a reason. Think about that. But there are other people that are chronic snooze button people. Amen. Some of you might, I won't, again, raise your hands. Right? You kind of like a pregame warm-up. Right? Before you actually wake up. You need that snooze button. And here's the thing about a snooze button. The snooze button is the more you press the snooze button, the more often you press the snooze button, you really are ignoring the real reason why you have an alarm, right? For you, when the alarm goes off, it's just a reminder to say, hey, press the snooze button because I get to roll over and sleep for another five minutes. So that's a reminder for you, it's time to go back to sleep. But but understanding something, that that snooze button going off means that there's a reason why the alarm goes off. It goes off because it's what? It's time to wake up, right? It's time to wake up. It's not time to go back to sleep. There's a specific reason why the alarm goes off. Again, awaken means to arouse from sleep, to wake up, to become suddenly aware of something. Now, here's what I believe. I believe this season has been so difficult and overwhelming that it's actually been easier for you to keep pressing the snooze button and roll over and go back to sleep. And I know it's consuming and way too much drama that we're dealing with today, but I believe many of us, because of the season we find ourselves in, it's just been easier to kind of fall asleep through this season. I know others of you... You look awake, but you're actually sleepwalking. You look like, you act like you are awake, but you're really in your own little reality. I remember one time, Jay was around 10 years old, and Verna will remember this. He comes into our room very alarmed. The house is on fire. The house is on fire. The house is on fire. And I said, Jay, the house is not on fire. Go back to bed. No, 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 I don't understand. The house is on fire. The house is on fire. This went on for a few minutes, Jay. The house is not on fire. You need to go back to bed. Of course, we realized he was sleepwalking. He sounded like he was awake. His eyes were open. 
he was talking, and I said, Jay, you need to go back to bed. So he dejectedly goes back to bed and says, the house is on fire, and nobody cares. <laughs> now, what's interesting is he looked like he was awake. He was talking. His eyes were open, but he was sleepwalking. I hear the Spirit of the Lord sounding an alarm this morning. I hear an alarm being sounded, and I hear the Spirit of God saying, it's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the church to wake up from their slumber because we don't want to be missing and sleeping through our day of visitation. I believe God wants to speak to us so clearly. I believe God wants to move by his spirit. But many of us are not fully aware. Many of us are asleep at the will. Many of us find it a lot easier just to sleep through difficult seasons versus become awake and alive and alert to what the spirit of God wants to do. Listen, I don't want a continuation of the last eight months to continue for the next eight months. Am I in the right room? Right? I don't want that. Oh, I, oh I, please, I do believe that the 2021, there'll be plenty of drama. There'll be plenty of opportunity. There'll be plenty of noise. I don't doubt that in the least. But if we're truthful in this season, we've allowed our fire to be put out. We've been so distracted by all the drama and all the noise around us that we've given more attention to all of our distractions than our relationship with God. I had to finally... Just, you know, I'm a news guy. I had to finally limit drastically my news watching. Anybody else had to do the same thing? Just had to stop because I was developing a cynical heart. I was developing an attitude. I was saying, you know, I was upset about the Democrats, upset about the Republicans. I'm upset about prophet so-and-so and this prophet and that prophet, and, right? And, and I'm, I'm just getting so caught up in it all and, and recognizing it that I just had to say, Lord, forgive me because I work hard at not having a cynical heart. I don't want to be a cynical pastor. I don't want to be a cynical Christian. And so I had asked, I asked the Lord, forgive me. I felt like I was drifting into this cynical place and, and I didn't like it and I had to get out of it. And many of you might be in that same place and we have to realize that that is not a healthy place for us to be. It puts us asleep to hearing the voice of God. It puts us asleep to hear the alarms on the inside of us that are sounding loud and clear. Amen. And we need to know that this relationship with God means so much more than all the surrounding noise around us. Does anybody in the room bear witness with what I'm saying this morning? Amen. Anybody church on at home bear witness with us this morning? I pray that we do, and I pray that we understand we all need to mix our faith together today. And I'm asking you, mix your faith with this message today because the, our, our best, God's best is still right in front of us. And we need to be fully aware alert and alive and ready for what God wants to do. I do not want to sleep through my day of visitation. How about you? Amen. See, the greatest enemy to a spiritual awakening is spiritual complacency. It's the greatest enemy. Now, the verse that really started me off on this journey of this next four weeks is found in Romans 13, 11. This is what came first in, in my heart. And Romans 13, 11 says, do this, knowing that it is a critical time. Would you agree? That it's a critical time. So this applies to all of us. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. 
For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in Christ. Wow. That's so important. Already, it's a critical time. The hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. See, every single day we step into our future, we're getting that much closer to the return of the Lord, aren't we? Amen. It's, the, it's closer today than it has ever been before. See, the word complacency means smugness, a feeling of content, self-satisfaction. Listen, especially when unaware of upcoming danger and trouble. See, complacency, the, the warning system is dulled. The warning system of what God wants to do and, and what the enemy is trying to do. And while I'm no longer listening so much to the news, I'm still declaring that I believe that God desires to reveal all the hidden things that need to be revealed, all the dark areas, all the evil that's taking place, all the antichrist spirit that is no doubt at work trying to destroy God's work. There's no doubt about it. But you see, complacency is a nonchalant, lazy attitude it's a whatever attitude. Oh, come on, pastor. It doesn't take all that to be a Christian. And we have this attitude, and, and we become unaware of upcoming danger and trouble, right? We kind of sleepwalk through it. We create our own reality like Jay did when, when he was sleepwalking. We create this reality, this other alternative um, uh, thought process. And so we're not in tune with God. We're not in tune with God's plan. Amen. And the greatest enemy that stands in the way of God manifesting his presence in our midst in a greater way is complacency. Have you ever gone through seasons of complacency? Maybe you're in a season of complacency right now. So it's important that we recognize that's an enemy. Let me take you to an Old Testament story that I believe helps us to understand the process of becoming awake. It's found in 2 Chronicles 29. We'll start at verse 1. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1. It says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah and the, da the daughter of Zechariah. 25 years old Hezekiah was when he became king. That's pretty incredible. Most of you, when you're 25 years old, you're just thinking about, oh man, maybe I should leave the house. Um, or maybe I should move out. Here, Hezekiah was the king of a nation. Talking about pressure. Talking about all the eyes are on him. Verse 2. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. So, if you understand the story and the context, Hezekiah's dad was not a very good dad, and he was a terrible king. He was an evil king. He did not do what was right in the sight of God. But Hezekiah, his son, was different. Because he was different, there was something about him that had a heart after God. There was something about him that was very different than what he was raised around. And here's my first point this morning. Number one, where, are, where, where you come from and where you are, do not have to define who you become. Let's just take out that R right there. It doesn't belong there. Where you come from and where you are, do not have to define 
who you become. Amen. So you're not bound to what you've inherited. You're not limited to your past experiences. See, the good news is you have the ability in God to forge a new path. Amen. To create a new destiny for you and your family. Even though his father was a terrible king and, and, and he, thank God, could break the chain and obviously did to create a brand new legacy. There was this awakening that happened in him and he was inspired to live his life in a different way, producing very different results. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter the challenges that, that, that have a, a caused you to, to be the, the person that you are today. I'm so grateful that, that even though your life has not been what you'd like it to be, I know God has a better way. God knows how to create a better way for you and create a new path like he did for Hezekiah. Hezekiah was not limited to the way his father was raised or what his father did or the evil that his father con contributed to. But thank God, Hezekiah was different. Verse 3 says this. In the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Say it again. In the very first month of the year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He was only a king for one month, but Hezekiah's first significant act as a king was to reopen the temple and fix the doors and reestablish that which was important to his nation. That's so important today. It means to be my second point, and the second point is this today. The path to change starts with something you abandon. The path to change starts with something you abandon. For the nation of Israel, you have to understand the significance of the temple. Let me give you a little background. For when God called Abram, who would eventually become Abraham, out from his land to a chosen land, to the children of Israel who were in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years, to Moses leading them out of Egypt into, through the wilderness, and then to Joshua leading them to the promised land, listen, the children of Israel had no permanent place to worship. Every place was a temporary place. Every place was a tent of worship that they, they put up and would take down as they would move around. Then the time of the judges and kings arose, and then came David's son Solomon, who created and built the temple of God in the center of the nation. The temple was so sacred because it finally was a place of permanence. And it said to the world all around them, we are unashamedly worshiping the one true God. But generation after generation forgot what it was like to be a nomad, what it was like to have no permanent place of worship. And they forgot about the sacred gift that this temple was, that God was with them and that his presence was a constant beacon of hope and forgiveness. They began to stray further and further away from God's presence to eventually, because of neglect, we find the condition of the temple now in total disarray. So much so the doors of the temple are shut. They are broken. They are decrepit. There is no worship taking place in the temple. And that's how far the nation had wandered. At that nation, as that nation wandered we understand 
that we too as a nation, we too as a people have wandered from our roots and from what we know God has done for us. Amen? We know that that our nation struggles right now. And we know that individuals struggle right now, wandering away from that which God has created, forgetting about what God had done in our life, forgetting about the plan of God, forgetting about serving Him and keeping Him in top priority in our lives. Again, the, the path to change starts with something you abandon. Now think about this. The path to change is not usually something that we have a new revelation that we need. When you know change is necessary in your life, most likely you already know what you need to do, right? When we drift away, when we fall asleep, when we start making wrong choices, man, we know what we need to do, what we need to go back to doing. Often we just need to be reminded, to be called back to the thing that we have abandoned and forsaken. So Hezekiah goes back to the first thing he does, and he starts with the temple of God, the symbol of the presence of God, the symbol of where we worship God, where we honor God, where we get back to Him as our number one focus and priority. And a great place of starting our awakening this morning is by opening the doors of our heart, opening the doors of our heart that maybe have been shut and closed off. Open the doors of our heart that we've allowed circumstances and people and offense and, and, and crazy seasons of our life and things that aren't nearly going as, as you planned for them to go this year. And so what happens oftentimes is we, we close the heart of our, our heart's door. We say, ah, you know, I don't want to be open any longer to, to something. And, and we close ourselves off. And the story continues in verses 4 and 5. And it reads like this. He summoned the priest and the Levites, to meet him in the, at the courtyard east of the temple. He said to them, listen to me, you Levites, purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. He gathers the leaders whose job it was to maintain the temple. He, the ones who was job was to stand in the gap on behalf of the people, the ones who are supposed to be the gatekeepers of the truth and worship. And even they had fallen asleep and have abandoned their responsibilities. And he gathers them together. And he says, we, we need to start with ourselves. We need to start here first, that we, the leaders, need to consecrate ourselves first back to God. And you see, that word consecrate is an important word in the process of being awakened. Consecrate means to set apart for God's use. It's identifying those things that hinder and stand in the way of our ability to worship God and have a serious encounter with Him. So he's saying to the leaders, he's saying to those that represented the temple, it's time to set yourself apart again. It's time to consecrate yourself and purify your hearts and stand in that place of worship and have a fresh encounter with God. And here's my third point for, the, for this morning. Number three, God moves when his followers get serious about their sin. God moves when his followers get serious about their sin. It's about to get real in this place. Say a big amen anyways. Come on, somebody. I know as followers of Christ, it's easy to become self-righteous and point out and judge 
other people's sin. When the truth be told, you need to learn how to mind your own business and judge your own sin. Right? So easy for us to point fingers. It's so easy for us to judge somebody else and we don't walk in their shoes. We don't know their heart. We don't know what's going on in their lives. We, have, we, we are clueless about certain things about their life. And so we, we got to be careful that, that we understand that, that it, followers get serious about their sin, about my sin, about your sin, and not pointing the fingers at somebody else because of their sin. In order for each one of us to experience our own awakening, we need to get honest and identify the sin that we have gotten comfortable with, where we have closed ourselves off from God. And it's time to repair and reopen the doors of our heart and let the light shine on us again. Amen. To let God's presence and God's flow happen again. And, and, and here's where we get real. See, the thing about the children of Israel and the nation of Israel, they were supposed to be an influence to everybody else around them. But instead, over time, everybody else around them influenced them. And that's exactly what's happening to us. The problem is we get so comfortable with our own sin that we begin to accommodate behaviors, actions, beliefs, and lifestyles that are contrary to the character and nature of God. Amen. That's a problem. That's the alarm that's sounding today. That's the alarm that's being sounded today. And all of us to take inventory of whatever behaviors, actions, beliefs, and lifestyles that are, that are contrary to the character and nature of God that we've gotten comfortable with that we've allowed into our lives, that we've allowed into, I'm talking about good people, followers of Christ, people that are here in the room and people that are watching at church at home today. Let me put it this way. When we raise our children, we don't tell them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be mostly honest. Have you raised your kids that way? No, you don't raise your kids to say, I want you to be mostly honest. No, we raise our children with the fundamental principle that they need to be completely and totally honest because we know a half-truth is still a what? A lie. Lying is the worst and honesty is the best and we need to be honest. And the biggest consequences that happen in our home that I'm sure happen in your home is when our children lied, right? That was something we just absolutely caused the most consequences when there was not honesty. Why? Because this is God's character. It's his nature. Because God is a God of honesty and openness. Isn't that true? 29 verse 6, verse 6 says this, our ancestors were unfaithful, Hezekiah said, and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. Wow. His her here, Hezekiah is talking about their parents, the parents of those that are in the temple, the parents of those that are around. And they talked about how they turned from God. And he wasn't necessarily blaming them. In fact, he, most likely that was not their intention. It was not what they started out to do. It was not what they started off to do to, to do evil in the sight of God and to cause the, the, the trouble to be where there is. And here's what I know about sin. Sin always takes you farther than you wanted to go and cost you more than you thought you would pay. That's the insidious nature of sin. It really is. 
And if you've been alive any length of time, you understand this principle. And you understand because many of us have found ourselves in situations and circumstances, and we've asked ourselves, how in the world did I get here? Ever say that? Ever that cross your mind? Because you can begin to give place to sin in small ways, and it seemed like it's no big deal, but you begin to make a small compromise here and open the door here and not know the right difference between right and wrong. And, and I'm sure as the nation and Hezekiah and the generation before him didn't say, wouldn't it be great? Let us just abandon and forsaken God and let's just ruin everything that we've worked so hard for. I don't think that was their statement. No one says, I want to derail, screw up, and mess up my life. Wouldn't that be awesome? Nobody thinks that way, right? Nobody starts out that way. It's the insidious nature of sin. Sin always takes you farther than you wanted to go and costs you more than you thought you would pay. If you want to make things right in your heart, if you want to make things right in your home, if you want to make things right in your marriage, if you want to make things right in your finances, this is the time to hear the alarm. This is the time, I'm telling you as your pastor, the Spirit of God is wooing us. The Spirit of God is saying, come on, let's clean up our act. Come on, let's, let's recognize this. Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's understand that there's issues in our lives, that we need forgiveness, that we don't need sin to continually um, bombard and stand in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. Amen. And I believe with all my heart that when we are open to God and honest before God, man, thank God He is a God that forgives. Aren't you glad today? He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He's a God that knows how to help us start fresh and new as we become awake. James 4.8 tells us what to do in order to be awakened. James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. What I love about this verse is it's a promise. It's a promise. I love it. It didn't say, come close to God and, and, and I'll consider whether or not I should come close to you. It doesn't say, come close to God and, and he'll pencil you in if he's not too busy. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it's a promise. If you'll come close to God, he will in turn take a step towards you. That's the good news about God we serve. It's, this is a call of righteousness this morning. It's a call that we hear the alarm today to wake up, to come alive, amen, to recognize that we need his hand upon our lives. And the whole verse says this, James 4, 8, says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Wow. Other translation says you are double-minded. So what's it saying? It's saying, come on, church. It's time for us to wash our hands. It's time to purify and consecrate our hearts. It's time to stop living between two worlds. Some of us are so good with the Sunday morning faith thing, and, and it's been even more difficult not being able to go to Sunday morning. For some people, the actual going to Sunday morning was like this big break in your week, and those of us that have not been in church for a long time, or maybe not even watching online any longer, there's not that 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 something in the in in the part the first part of your week that says, "Hey, let's get our act together here, let's make the adjustments." 
And so we're going from week to week to week without that. And we don't, that Sunday morning faith, but Monday through Saturday, man, our life was so much more, so much different. James is writing to church folks here, by the way. He's talking to people who are followers of Christ. He's just, you're so good at compartmentalizing your faith or you're so good at your worship to God or literally, you know, how you are around your Christian friends. But you know what? It's literally like you're double-minded. It's like you have two personalities, he's saying. You have one personality when you're around your Christian friends and one personality when you're activating your faith, but you have a whole nother personality when you're living outside with others and not being who God wants you to be and the life of compromise and sin. So we need to put both of those lives together and have one life, amen, and recognize that we come together. We don't have two personalities. We don't have this opportunity where we have a compromising life and a a sold-out life. No, we need to come together and bring our lives into alignment with God's purpose for our lives. Amen. And I hear the Lord, and I pray you do too, and we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. The alarm that's sounding. Can you hear it? Have you heard it? I pray you have. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. If you haven't heard it, that concerns me if we haven't heard the alarm. But we need to hear the alarm today and recognize that there's adjustments that can be made because God wants to move by His Spirit. And in order for Him to do that, we need to be awake. There needs to be awakening in the church, an awakening in our families, awakening in our marriages and our homes, awakening with our money, awakening in every area of our lives because that's what God wants to do. Amen. And I want to give you an assignment today and recognize and, and I'll say it this way, I will get honest about blank. I will get honest. What do you need to get honest about? You might want to write that down. I will get honest about, and you need to fill in the blank. What is it that you need to get honest with? What is it that the Lord's been dealing with you about? You already know. What is it that we need to make that adjustment in our heart? What have we abandoned? What have we forsaken? And get back to repairing the breach and repairing the broken down doors and open up our heart towards God and His plan. What was our big takeaway? When you are a follower of Christ who is still living life your own way, doing your own thing, only an encounter with God can wake you up to living a God-first life.